Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which Scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. Welcome to J is for James, as in the book of James. Before we do, I'll mention again, I don't mention it as often as I probably should, that you can give me some feedback uh, in one of two ways. The first is on our Facebook page, which is Alphabet Soup. If you do a search for Alphabet Soup, you'll come up with a couple of options, but you'll recognize our logo, I think. The other one is through email, abcsouppodcast at gmail.com. abcsouppodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. So now let's get to the book of James. After another crazy week, you'll, you'll notice that this, uh, this posting is a little late. And I've got another crazy week uh, beginning tomorrow. But after that, things should calm down a little bit, sort of. I'll be in touch. Anyhow, um, it always struck me as, I don't know, somehow inappropriate to say, my favorite verse in the Bible is, or my favorite book of the Bible is. It's sort of like saying, my favorite child is. And they're all equally inspired and inerrant. How do you say, God, this book is better than another? Or, I, I'm, now see, I'm making something out of nothing probably. I, it's no big deal. It just always felt wrong to me. Um, that said, I think James is my favorite book in the Bible. Maybe, it's bec- maybe a better way to express it is James resonates more with me. I find more connection. When I read the book of James... It just connects. There are some preachers that that I listen to and I think, boy, that guy's talking to me. He gets me. He gets inside me. Uh, Beggs is one of those. Alistair Beggs, if you haven't heard him preach, you got to do that. Among other things, he's got a great Scottish brogue. And that makes him easy to listen to, kind of fun to listen to. Um, it, technically, his preaching is not all that good if you go by, by form and so forth. We did a couple of weeks ago, we talked about H's for homiletics. Um, And Alistair Begg is not a great homiletician in the technical sense, but boy, does he communicate effectively. When I'm working at the golf course, depending on what I'm doing, depending on how much focus and concentration it takes, if I'm raking sand traps, for example, I like to listen to Alistair Begg preach. Anyhow, all, all of that to say that that uh, the book of James gets to me. I, it resonates with me. I, I feel a connection. When he talks, I'm listening, man. So what I'd like to do is, is take this episode and, and just, if you're not familiar with the book of James, and I know many of you aren't for reasons that we probably don't need to discuss but might get into later. Um, if you're not all that familiar with the book of James, I hope that I can entice you to get into the book and read it Uh, as it ought to be read. Not all books of the Bible should be read the same way. You can't read Psalms like you read Exodus or uh, Acts, okay? Um, They're different genre. James is a genre in and of itself, and you have to read it accordingly. So let's introduce the book of James. And in fact, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to start with what in the field of biblical studies is called matters of introduction. We've talked about this before. The, uh, the who, what, when, where, how, and why of a book. Uh, I have on my uh, bookshelf here to my right a couple of different books, each for the New Testament and the Old Testament. Old Testament introduction, I've got two of them. And New Testament introduction, I've got two of them. As it turns out, that's just coincidental. But 
But when you turn to, as I did in prepping for this uh, podcast episode, if you turn to, in Harrison, for example, the book of James, you don't get a commentary on James. You get who wrote it, when they wrote it, why they wrote it, where they wrote it, who they wrote it to. You get all that background information, which is why it's called Biblical Introduction. Let's do that with the book of James. That will take us, uh, I think, the better part, maybe a little more than part one. And then in part two, I want to introduce you to some of the passages in James that are my favorites and explain a little bit why. And I think, uh, again, I hope that entices you into the book of James, and I think you will find your own favorite sections within James. Let's do that introduction then. Uh, and, and we're not going to do it in the normal order. Uh, I'm going to mix things up a little bit. There is a standard order for doing biblical introduction. I'm going to deviate from that. It doesn't make any difference to you, does it? First, it's classification. Uh, some authors, s- some writers uh, doing biblical introduction will call it a Catholic epistle. Um, remember that the word Catholic is separate from the, from the term Roman Catholic. Um, They call themselves Roman Catholic because A, they're centered in Rome, and B, the word Catholic originally meant universal. And so when we call this a Catholic epistle, what we're saying is it is for the universal church. It's not addressed to a specific congregation, like, for example, the epistle of Ephesians or Philippians or Philemon addressed to an individual or Timothy and so forth. It is for the universal church. For that reason, it is sometimes called a general epistle, Catholic or general. That says something slightly different. It is not, I I heard this, I forget where I heard this just recently, that James is is not an occasional book. That makes it, that that, that doesn't work. Um, It is, what that means is it's not written for a specific occasion. For example, by contrast, Galatians was written because in that small group of churches in Asia Minor, there was a movement towards legalism. Paul wants to address that and shut it down right away. So the occasion for writing the book of Galatians was to address legalism. The occasion for writing 1 Corinthians was to answer some questions that they had sent to him and then bring up some things with them that he needed to talk about. There were some problems. So we can call it Catholic. It's not addressed to a specific congregation. Or we can call it general, which is to say it's not occasional. It's just James has some thoughts. The Holy Spirit has clearly given him those thoughts that he wants to discuss. There's no particular occasion that motivated writing this book, as is the case with most New Testament epistles. It is sometimes also called a Hebrew Christian epistle or letter. That's because... The writers seem clearly to be Jewish, but also to be believers. The first believers in the gospel were Jews. Uh, The first churches occurred within synagogues. Then they got kicked out of the synagogue and and started First Baptist Church of Antioch or whatever it was. I'm kidding, of course. Um, Hebrew Christian epistle means the readers were clearly Jewish, as we'll see that's the case with James, but they are also clearly believers. Um, I'm not Jewish. I happen to be a combination of Swedish and Norwegian and Scottish, which is maybe one of the reasons I like Alistair Begg so much. Uh, but, But this book is addressed 
It is, it is uh, general. Um, it is Catholic. It is to the universal church. I am not Jewish, but the book is addressed to me. It is in the New Testament, and all of the Bible is, uh, is mine. Paul says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Um, he says in 1 Corinthians, these things, referring to the Old Testament, these things were written for your benefit. So in that sense, yes, the book of James is for me. But there has been uh, a line of thought, bad thought, but a line of thought that says that these Jewish Christian epistles, Hebrews to the end of Jude, that that block of epistles, um, Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude, are written not to the body of Christ, but to Israel. Uh, they draw a line there, and the only epistles written to the body of Christ are Paul's. I'm sorry, that's bogus. That is entirely bogus. Uh, we, we haven't got time to go into it. But these are just as much addressed to the body of Christ as the book of Ephesians. These guys were members of the church, which is his body, which is why, for example, just one thing to think about, at the end of 1 Peter, or is it the end of 2 Peter? Now I don't remember. Um, it's in chapter 5, so it's got to be 1 Peter. Anyhow, Peter says, these are the same things that Paul has written to you about. His letters are difficult to understand, but... So Peter is endorsing what Paul has written. Um, Paul and Peter worked as teammates. They had different audiences, but it's clear from the book of Galatians that they were on the same team. James is part of the body of Christ. This book is a Hebrew Christian epistle, but for the purposes of, of reading it as a Swedish, as a Scandinavian slash Scottish Christian in the 21st century, this book is to me. It's to the body of Christ. It's to you. If you are a child of God through faith in Christ, get into the book of James. Don't let, if, if, you've, if you've been told that these letters at the end of the New Testament are not for you, I'm sorry, that's wrong. And maybe at some point we'll have to do a podcast or six on that topic alone. Okay, let's continue. We've talked about what the book is in terms of its classification. It is Catholic. It's for the universal church. It is general, not occasional. And it is Hebrew Christian in that the original readers were Hebrews, were Jews, and they were believers like you and me. Okay, you don't have to be Jewish. You're a child of God. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ. The book is to you. How about some characteristics of this book? It is authoritative. One of the things that I found um, interesting about uh, learning Portuguese is that they have, Greek does too, lots of languages do, um, an imperative form of verbs. An imperative says, do this. It is a command. It's, it, it, um, moms use the imperative form a lot. In English, we don't have a separate verb form. Like we have, I walked, I walk. I will walk. We have past, present, and future. Um, they have the same things in Greek, in Portuguese, in French, in Italian, and so forth. But those languages also have a separate form for imperative. It is the tense that expresses command. It is an order. There are a lot of these in the book of James. Um, almost every other verse has an imperative verb form in it. He is now, that, that doesn't make him stern. It doesn't make him harsh. 
It just says, you got to do this. You've got to trust God. You've got to exercise faith. You've got to live out your faith. So it's an, it has an authoritative tone. We'll understand why when we get to talking about who James is. There is very little doctrine in the book. It's not like Galatians or Ephesians or Colossians, where, where Paul writes a book that the first half, almost exactly the first half of the first three chapters of Ephesians are very doctrinal, very theological. Then the second half are very practical. It's how you live out this doctrine. The book of James is like the second half of Ephesians or Colossians. It is very practical. In fact, its nickname is the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's not written in, in the form of the Hebrew proverb, but, it, but what they mean by that is it's that kind of practical information. There is certainly doctrine in there, and you won't get very far into the book of James at all before you realize, yep, there is a biblical truth. However, clearly, the emphasis on James is living, not knowing, okay? Um, it is impersonal. There are, there are no names mentioned. You know how Paul's always talking about Timothy or uh, Philemon or, or he, he greets the saints in Romans, what is it, 15? There's a long list of names that Paul wants to say hello to. He'll talk about his fellow workers and mention them by name. Uh, there is none of that in the, um, in the book of James. So it's impersonal in that sense. That's another thing that makes it general. It is addressed to people in general, not to specific individuals. There are lots of references and allusions to things in nature. He talks about putting um, uh, bits in horses' mouths. He talks about grain growing in the field, that kind of thing. In that sense, it is very much like the book of Proverbs, um, and it's also very much like the parables. You think about how many parables are drawn from everyday agricultural experiences um, or, or just daily life. Yeah, that's, that's the book of James as well. And then, and this is a little surprising, the quality of the Greek is very high. And, and by that I mean it is more formal Greek. He follows the rules of Greek language. Uh, think about somebody um, you know who is very precise in their grammar, and then somebody who mixes up good and well and bring and, and brought and take and all. They just, they just sort of grab words out of the air. Okay, James is very uh, precise and accurate and formal uh, in his Greek. It's very high quality. Now, the reason I say that's surprising, no, 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 let's wait. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Let's talk about the readers. In verse 1, it, he says, James, then he says, to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. That Remember, we said that it, it's written uh, to Jews, to Hebrew Christians. There's the indication. To the 12 tribes of the dispersion. When they were released from Babylonian captivity, when the Medo-Persians took over, um, Cyrus, the Persian ruler, said, all right, y'all can go home if you want. Most of them didn't want. They'd settled and put down roots in Babylon. But members of the 12 tribes, because there were all 12 tribes taken captive to Babylon. Yes, the north had been dispersed, but there had been refugees from the north who moved down south. All of those were taken to Babylon in captivity. They were returned. They were allowed to return by Cyrus, the Persian ruler. 
And a bunch of them went back. Not all of them, as I said. Some of them liked Babylon. It was kind of a nice place. They had a good uh, public transit system, all that kind of stuff. But some of them went back. Um, and, and then some of them spread throughout the Roman Empire. You couldn't go to a, a major Roman city and not find a Jewish population. There are Jews. There are, get this now, believing Jews. The church started in Jerusalem, huh? Okay, I'm not going to get all technical about that now. But the mother church was in Jerusalem. There was persecution there. And as a result of of, of normal spread of people, you know, uh, uh, they moved to Tulsa because they got a job in Tulsa. They moved to Rome or they moved to Ephesus or whatever. The normal dispersal of people plus persecution of Christians especially in Jerusalem, believing Jews in Jerusalem, and they bailed out of Jerusalem because you can't raise a family if, if you're a Jewish Christian in Jerusalem. They were all over the place. And so James addresses his book to, verse 1, the 12 tribes of the dispersion. 12 tribes means they're Jewish. Dispersion means they live all over the Roman Empire. There's another indication that it is Catholic. It is, a, it is addressed to the universal church. Now, the content of this book is clearly Christian. It is clearly body of Christ truth. You'll read about Jesus as our Savior. you read about faith and so forth. All things we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but, but the readers are Jewish Christians spread throughout the Roman Empire. Okay, authorship. There's a lot of discussion here. Um, I'm not going to mess with it because, frankly, most of it is is liberal and skeptical and all that stuff. The the long held, I'm talking 2,000 years view, is that it was written by da 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 James, and and there's no other identification. He doesn't say like Paul says James, an apostle of our Lord. He just says James. He just identifies himself by that. But in and of itself, that tells us who this is. This James is so famous. He doesn't need to identify himself with any modifiers. As soon as he said, I'm James, they're immediately going to identify, ah, it's from him. This James, someone well known to the readers, uh, first pops up in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. I'm going to read that to you. Uh, Talking about Jesus, the Pharisees say, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? And the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Here, the scribes, the Pharisees, the bad guys, okay, are looking at Jesus and saying, he's nothing special. He is the carpenter. Because remember now, all, all Jewish men learned their trade, the trade of their father. Is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary, apparently Joseph is already dead, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. The fact that James is mentioned first probably suggests he was the oldest. Okay, Jesus was the oldest. He's the oldest son of Joseph, okay? Um, His brothers listed here did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They thought their older, uh, quote, half-brother was a lunatic. Um, that he was full of himself and was basically just crazy. However, when he was crucified, still think he's crazy, 
and then rose from the dead. That convinced them. Then, they, then they're converted. And so in Acts 1.14 we read, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now the brothers are part of that early church. 1 Corinthians 15.7, talking about Christ. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So apparently he appeared to his oldest half-sibling before, uh, this is post-resurrection, before he appeared to the apostles. Um, The other thing we read, and, and this will explain a lot of what we've already mentioned, is that James then becomes the head of the church of Jerusalem. Whether he preached the sermons on Sunday or not, we don't know. But he was recognized as the head of the church in Jerusalem. In fact, when Paul goes to Jerusalem, he says in Galatians 1.19, But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Why? Because he's the head of the Jerusalem church. There are other passages that indicate that. This is why the guy is so well known that all he has to say is, I'm James. Because he was the head of the mother church in Jerusalem, he's a player. He's a big name. Date. James was martyred, we know, in, a, um, in about A.D. 62. That's what Josephus, an early historian, says. That James was martyred in A.D. 62, which means, obviously, the book had to be written before that. Probably, probably... The earliest book of the New Testament written was Matthew's Gospel, written in the mid-50s. Um, James' um, letter is written no later than 62, so it's going to be right in there as well. In fact, there are some people that think James was the first book of the New Testament written. If it wasn't the first, if Matthew was the first, it was very close to the first. So what have we got? We've got one of the earliest New Testament books, written by a fascinating character who was the brother who started out a scoffer, huh? started out um, ridiculing his older brother, uh, his older brother who claimed to be born of a virgin, right? I mean, James is just blowing all this off, but then is um, converted and becomes a believer when he sees his brother risen from the dead and then goes on to become arguably the most prominent leader, maybe maybe on a par with Peter, in the early church, and writes this book to Jewish Christians living all over the empire, writes this book that is rich in content, um, based a lot of it based in, in allusions and references to nature by a guy who grew up in, in Galilee, in rural Galilee, and it is extremely practical. So there's part one, an introduction to the book of James. Now what I want to do, we're going to go over to part two, and I want to share with you some of the, I said the book of James resonates with me. I want to share some of the passages that do particularly, and and maybe explain a little bit why, and hope that that will, again, draw you into the book for yourself. There you have it. There's part one. Please join me in part two.